More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to episode 109 of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, your host, and I want to thank you as always for tuning in. Also want to let you know that you can become a patron of the podcast now by visiting patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. You can choose a level to donate each month via Patreon and you support the podcast. And at the same time, you get some pretty cool stuff like advanced podcasts. You get to hear them before anybody else and lots of other goodies that we've got. You can check them out at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, SurvivorSanctuary.com, and you can join our Facebook group if you haven't already. Find Survivor Sanctuary Podcast on Facebook, and you can request to join by answering a multiple choice question. It's a safe group, a private group, and we have a good time sharing there. Well, I want to dive into today's podcast, which funnily enough, was inspired by someone who literally has absolutely nothing to do with sexual abuse in the church. But I could not help but listen to the words of Chris Rock and think, oh my goodness, he is literally calling out the church without even having any idea that that is what he's doing. So I will just, as a little caveat here, say I'm not recommending or promoting the Netflix show that Chris Rock did called Selective Outrage. This is not an endorsement of his brand of humor or that show itself. I just happened to hear what it was about on a preview, and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is literally calling out the church, and his stand-up has absolutely nothing to do with the church. But there was a portion of it that I just could not listen to without thinking, this is the problem, the exact problem with the evangelical church. And with churches, I I shouldn't even say just the evangelical church because it's across all different denominations. It's across Christianity. It's in Catholicism. It's a part in pretty much every sect of Christianity that there is. And that is selective outrage, especially when it comes to children, how children are treated, how children are cared for if they've been mistreated. So I just want to play you a quick excerpt from Chris Rock's stand-up special, Selective Outrage, that Netflix put out recently, so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. I have no problem with the wokeness. I have no problem with it at all. I'm all for social justice. I'm all for for marginalized people getting their rights. The thing I have a problem with is the selective outrage. That's right. Selective Outrage. Everybody, you know what I'm talking about. One person does something, they get canceled. Somebody else does the exact same thing, nothing. You know what I'm talking about. 
You know, like the kind of people that play Michael Jackson songs, but won't play R. Kelly. Same crime. One of them just got better songs. That's right. Oh, I play starting something. It's a party. I play bump and grind. Now you are activists. So you get the point, and Netflix, please don't sue me for sharing that clip. Just wanted to let you know what I'm talking about here as I relate Chris Rock and his stand-up to the church and sexual abuse within the church. No, the two have nothing to do with each other except that I don't think that any truer words have been spoken about the church, especially for someone who was not trying to speak about the church at all. It is a huge, huge problem with selective outrage. And what's interesting is right around the time that Netflix shared this clip with me, like as a preview for Chris Rock's new stand-up show on Netflix, a pastor that I used to know and who I still see popping up in my social media feeds from time to time posted a video And it was a video of Joe Biden responding to some transgender policies and medical procedures for minors in Florida. And these new policies upset him. And he essentially was saying that this was wrong and and calling out Florida. And so I'm going to stop here because I know everybody gets up in arms when you mention anything political, like you mention a president or a president's name, you mention a policy, and everybody kind of just cringes and, and waits to hear what side you're on. And that's not what this is about at all. And another little rabbit trail in this caveat, it's really difficult for me sometimes to talk about these issues because I can agree or disagree with policies all day long. But if the people that are creating those policies are doing something that is harmful to children and is wrong, I'm going to call that out. And so I never want people to think on this podcast that I'm aligning myself with a political party or that I'm trashing a political party. And I just want to be careful of that because I know that that's when people tune out They tune out because they think, well, you're not on my political side. That is not what what I'm talking about right now has to do with. It's really not about my politics or even it's not about what Joe Biden said about these policies. It's just that it popped up in my news feed on social media and I couldn't help but just get that familiar feeling of just serious disappointment with the church and with pastors who, for some reason, are only comfortable speaking out about things that harm children and grooming of children. I am so sick of that word grooming. And I used to think, you know, especially on Jimmy Hinton's podcast, the Speaking Out on Sex Abuse podcast, and in his writing, he's often said he doesn't like the word grooming and that he prefers to think of it as like testing and how abusers test people. I've kind of felt like I sort of get the grooming thing to an extent because I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I felt like the person who was trying to sexually abuse me was grooming me like a horse, you know, brushing me, making me feel all safe and secure and pretty and happy. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come in for the kill. 
But I'm so freaking sick of the word grooming because it has become so politicized over the last several years. And I'm sorry, sexual abuse is not a political issue. That's not to say politics can never enter into it. So hear me on that. But it's not a political issue. If you only care about harm being done to children when it's being done by a party that you don't like, you don't care about harm being done to children. And that is the most disappointing and I don't want to be dramatic, but like a heart-wrenching thing. Like I get so disappointed. I get like a pit in my stomach. My blood starts boiling immediately when people use the sexual abuse of children to further their political agenda. And that's what I see a lot of from pastors and Christians and people who are so appalled when you talk to them about transgender policies for minors and they're horrified and they call it the grooming of children or you talk about drag queen story time. And again, I'm not talking about these things because I endorse them or I think, oh, this is all great and everybody should just do whatever they want. That's not it. But if you don't have anything to say when the church that you're affiliated with, the Christianity, the evangelicalism that you're affiliated with is rampant with sexual abuse, if you never have a word to say about that, if story after story after story comes out about pastors and church leaders and deacons and Sunday school teachers sexually abusing children and you have nothing to say about it for decades, a policy that you don't like by a party that you don't like is implemented or in the case of in Florida, there's been a lot of backlash from the left because of policies that have been enacted in Florida that lean more right. If if that's the only time that you care about the grooming of children, as you call it, then you don't care about the grooming of children. And I just think that Chris Rock calls it out perfectly. I'm not sure he's the only person to ever say that people have selective outrage. I don't know, but he's right. People have selective outrage. And his example is a little different than what my example would be. He's talking about Michael Jackson and R. Kelly. Both have been accused of sexually abusing children, but you know, people are quick to be like, yeah, R. Kelly, we'll toss out his music. We're never going to listen to that again. But Michael Jackson, eh, I've heard so many people say, I just, I, I don't believe it. I, I mean, even other, Dave Chappelle, he did a stand-up routine and it, it infuriated me because he's like, you know, I just, I don't believe him. I mean, he's, it's like, it's nice that you can just stand on stage and say that you don't believe people who have spoken out and they haven't been the only people to speak out about Michael Jackson sexually abusing them. But it's just easy to just be like, yeah, you know what? I just think these people are lying. That's going to be my take. So R. Kelly's a terrible person. We're still going to listen to Michael Jackson's music. And that example doesn't mean a whole lot for us in the church. If you were like me growing up, you weren't allowed to listen to secular music. That was a big fat no-no. And so, I mean, we did anyway, of course, because, you know, radios existed and my 
my sister especially, like I was always the goody two shoes and I always liked to obey the rules. Not trying to throw her under the bus, but she loved some music. Okay. She was obsessed with music. She loved to sing. She loved to play instruments. So you weren't keeping her away from secular music, no matter what you did. So we found a way to listen. We found a way. And by we, I mostly mean her and I was just there by default. So yeah, I guess I did totally just throw my sister under the bus. In any case, the example is different, but the point is the same. I am so sick and tired of the selective outrage of the church. And it's just funny to me that I saw this post by this pastor on social media, and and he's not the only one. You know, Christians everywhere up in arms about political things all the time. And listen, I don't have a problem with somebody speaking out about a political policy that they don't like. So I'm not saying that Christians should never have an opinion about politics or never get involved. What I am saying, though, is when the only time you decide to care about children is when it's politically motivated, you don't care about children. So I just want to say, shut up. Like, don't talk about them at all. Don't talk about how much you care for children and how they deserve to be safe and not be subjected to grooming and all. It's like you have nothing to say when thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children are sexually abused within the church. You literally have nothing to say about that. Complete and utter crickets when it's happening in your own house. But then when there's a political motivation, suddenly you're an activist. The story comes out about the Southern Baptist Convention and the big database that they were keeping of all the abusers in their midst who were basically just getting shuffled from church to church instead of getting called out. It was just this database that nobody got to see. And so who knows how many people were sexually abused because these people weren't publicly called out. But, you know, 750 abusers in a database by the Southern Baptist Convention and Christians don't have a single word to say, not a single word to say. Nobody's getting online and saying this is terrible and this shouldn't be happening. But the second that a dude in a dress is reading stories to kids in a library, suddenly you're an activist. Suddenly you care about the safety of children more than you've ever cared about anything. And it's just bull crap. Like it just is. And when Chris Rock says same crime, One of them just has better music. And that's how I feel about the church and their selective outrage when it comes to the harm to children in this country. Same crime. One of them just has better politics. And that's really what it comes down to. It's a political activism that has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with Jesus. And people will say that it does, but that is disingenuous when we see And well, I will say when we hear nothing, we hear utter crickets when children are actually being harmed and abused. We can talk about policies and about how a policy may affect a child at some point in the future, how policies could harm children. We can talk all day long about that. But we are talking about kids being sexually abused by the hundreds and the thousands within the church, story after story online and in the news and in documentaries. It is everywhere, physically happening everywhere all the time. And the church has been terrible at dealing with it, burying their heads in the sand, refusing to deal with the problem, allowing horrible things to happen because they don't want to sully the name of the church. And these same people that are failing children so miserably 
within the church, which should be the safest place for a child to ever be. It should be. And I almost like hate to say that because we know that it's not, but it should be the safest place that a child can ever go. That's what you should be focusing on. And the fact that people are not is the biggest tell that there is. I don't need anything else to tell me that you care about politics and not about Jesus than the fact that you only ever post about the safety of children, about the sexual abuse of children, about the grooming of children, that you only ever post about it if it is politically motivated, if it is an excuse for you to be able to talk crap about the president that you don't like or the political leader that you don't like or the leftist agenda that you don't like. And and listen, this happens on both sides. So again, I'm not condemning one side or promoting the other. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just calling out the hypocrisy of using the safety of children and how, oh, Jesus wants us to love children and care for them and they deserve to be safe and using that as ammunition to fire at your political opponent and never using it as a motivation to actually help children. You're, you're not doing it. Um, you're not doing it. And this pastor in particular, and I may have mentioned this on another podcast, but he actually stood up at the Church of God annual meeting this past year and talked about how great the SBC is at, it had nothing to do with sexual abuse or children, but he literally stood and praised the Southern Baptist Convention and talked about how the Church of God should emulate them in certain ways. And this was within weeks of that report coming out about all those hundreds and hundreds, I believe it was like over 700 Southern Baptist church leaders who had been credibly accused of sexually abusing children. Some had even gone to prison for it. There was a database and this had just released. It it was like the umpteenth scandal involving sexual abuse with the Southern Baptist Convention. And this pastor literally stood up at the annual Church of God meeting and talked about how the Church of God should emulate the Southern Baptist. They've got it. They've got it right. And again, his comparison had nothing to do with sexual abuse. But how tone deaf do you have to be to stand up and praise the Southern Baptist Convention that is just embroiled in yet another scandal involving sexual abuse and hundreds and hundreds and what is very likely to be in the thousands of children who have been sexually abused. It just drives me insane that Christians will yell at the top of their lungs about what the White House is doing to harm children or what their political opponents are doing to harm children, but then they have not a single word to say about what the church is doing to allow harm to children. Or even, you know, I'm not saying you have to stand up and say, well, this this happened in a church and this happened in a church. These are all the negative things that happened in a church this week. But how about being a pastor who will say, listen, I'm not going to bury my head in the sand when it comes to protecting the flock that has been entrusted to my care. I'm going to stand before you and say to you uh, publicly, not only in the pulpit, but on my Facebook page as well, what is happening in the Southern Baptist Convention? What is happening in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church? What's happening across Christianity where men and even women in some cases are using the gospel of Jesus Christ as a means to find prey and to prey on little children and to sexually abuse them and basically to use the church as a hunting ground. And it is not okay. And we have to do something to ensure that our children are protected. Where are the people who are going to stand up and say that? In this same Facebook post by a pastor that just really 
reminds me of Chris Rock and selective outrage. In this same post, he talks about the grooming of minor children and molestation and, and the fact that it's a hellish and terrible wickedness. And he's like, real talk. And what's hysterical, and really by hysterical, I mean really, really sad, is that the only time that I've ever heard this pastor say anything about child molestation or child molesters, the only time I've ever heard him say anything about it, whether in the pulpit or on social media or in person, was when I was sitting in his congregation at the time I was working on the church staff and he was talking about how anyone could serve in our church. Anybody can serve here. And he was like, you know, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be this. You don't have to be that. And then he said, literally, he said, child molesters can serve in this church. He did say, now you can't work with our kids, but you can serve in this church because God forgives. And, he and you know, what a way to just announce to anybody in your church that might have the desire to mistreat children, what a way to announce this is a safe place for you, child molester. This is a safe space for you to come in and be welcomed with open arms and be told that you can serve in our church. And the only precaution we're going to take is to say, yeah, if, you, if you're if you a child molester and you're open and honest about it, you can't tr- serve in our children's ministry. But sure, we'll welcome you right up in here. What a way to make people who are victims of sexual abuse feel welcome in your church and feel safe in your church. And what a way to make predators feel just super cozy being in your church, knowing this is a place where they are welcomed with open arms. And I can say as a survivor of sexual abuse, and this was before I had done any of the work related to the abuse in my life. It, w- it was well before any of that. And I just remember sitting and feeling like, I-, I guess just a sense of shame almost that it caught me off guard what he said. And then I thought, well, I must be wrong then. It must be fine. You know, if the pastor says that it's fine, it must be fine for child molesters to be welcomed in the church. You know, who am I? And it's just that sense of guilt for like, who am I to say that they shouldn't? And knowing what I know now, no, people who have molested children and who are a risk to children should not be in your church with children. They shouldn't. They can watch church online. They can have a Bible study with people of their same gender and their same age. You know, the pastor or one of the assistant pastors can disciple them on the side, but they don't need to be welcomed with open arms into your church. But this same pastor who stands in front of the congregation of several hundred people and says child molesters are welcome here. This is the pastor who's talking to Joe Biden about how children deserve to be safe and that molestation is a hellish and terrible wickedness. He also calls Joe Biden out for invoking faith to establish a hellish political agenda. And I have to laugh at that, too, because... The same thing is being done by Christians. And again, it's not agreeing with this policy or disagreeing with it's not. It has nothing to do with what I think about politics. It has everything to do with how I feel about the church using their faith and the faith of others as a pawn in a political agenda. I can't stand it. It drives me completely insane. And I think the reason it drives me completely insane is because it is such an ungodly thing to do. Again, You can care about politics. If you're into politics, if you want to argue politics, if that's what makes you happy, if if you feel strongly, I'm not saying that you can't feel strongly, that you can't have these opinions. Stop using Jesus and his love of children to jab at your political opponents. 
it's disingenuous. It's just dishonest. It's just dishonest because if you cared about the rampant issue of sexual abuse, if you cared about the horrific mistreatment of little boys and girls, if you cared about it at all, then you would speak out with zero political motivation. You would be speaking out about it when you're not mad at Joe Biden. You would be speaking out about it when you have to call out your own. You would be speaking out about it when you have to call out your fellow Republicans, the people who vote like you and who like the same things you like and who agree with the policies you agree with. You would be talking about this horrific mistreatment and molestation of children. You'd be talking about it when you have to talk about it to the people in your own four walls, when you have to stand against somebody who is completely aligned with you politically and, well, they'll say spiritually, but we know if they're molesting kids, that's not the case. There's just no defense for this behavior, and I'm so tired of it, and I want to call it out, and I feel like Chris Rock did a really, really great job of calling it out for me um, without intending to. It's selective outrage, and it has no place in the church, none. It has no place in the body of Christ. It has no place among people who claim that they love the Lord and that they want to follow him and that they want to protect children. You can't only want to protect children when the left is doing something you don't like. You have to want to protect children even when your own people are doing things and it's going to cost you something to call them out. It costs you nothing to call out your political enemies. It costs you nothing, especially in the church, I'll say this, because by and large, in at least in the churches that I grew up in and the churches that I've been in as an adult, by and large, you have people who are in pretty decent agreement on politics. And when you start upsetting that, it costs you something. It does. People get angry. I've heard pastors who are trying, you know, to do the right thing and and speak out and and not let people be motivated by politics, I should say by partisan politics, not letting people be motivated by partisan politics. And they speak out about it and they get pushback from people. They'll even have people leave the church because they don't want to have that sacred cow of their political party messed with. And they want to be able to align their faith with their political party. And that drives me nuts on any political affiliation. When people try to make their party the party that Jesus would belong to if he were here. And that drives me nuts too. But that's a conversation for a different time. It's just, listen, there is no convincing me when things like this happen and when pastors speak out against this awful harm that's being done to children and the grooming that's being done to children. It's not just pastors. It's it's Christians in general. Speaking out about, you know, I did the half, hashtag save our children episode And there is no convincing me that it's not politics that motivates you. Because if it were actually the love of Jesus motivating you, if it were God's love for children motivating you, if it was your desire to protect children, you would have something to say about the thousands upon thousands of victims of sexual abuse in our own churches. If you really cared about the safety of boys and girls, you'd have something to say at some point about the necessity of making our churches and our Christian schools and our Christian organizations safe and refusing to tolerate the sexual grooming of our children within the walls of the church. I just think it's hysterical that we focus on all this supposed grooming that's happening out there in the world. 
all of this grooming that supposedly it's the government and it's politicians and it's the school system and it's this and it's that. It's our local libraries and they're all grooming our children, but we've got nothing to say about the grooming that's happening in our own churches. It's just nuts to me. And hear me when I say, if I know someone who is outspoken about the safety of children in all spaces and they're willing to speak out about what happens within churches, I will listen to any political opinion that they have because I know that it's coming from a place of, hey, we need to protect kids. But you can't only want to protect kids when it furthers your political agenda because then you are a political activist. You are not a person who just loves kids and doesn't want them to be harmed. You're a person who cares about politics. And I'm so freaking tired of the church caring about politics more than they care about the actual lives of children. You can't only care about something if it furthers your political views, if it makes you feel better about who you vote for. You can't. And I won't do it. I will not, like, if I like a politician, if I like a certain party, if I like a certain policy, if if the people making that policy are, are doing something wrong or if, if they're caught embroiled in some scandal involving the harm of children, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to call them out and I'm going to say they're wrong. I don't care if you agree with me on politics. I don't care. It, it's like child molesters who infiltrate the church and, and people who are disguised as brothers and sisters in Christ when they're predators. They share our faith. So it seems you'll see some of the best preachers ever, people who are awesome speakers and they're people who are gifted at sharing the gospel. And then you find out that they've been sexually abusing kids for decades. Being in political or spiritual agreement, so you think with someone, cannot be the test for whether or not they're harming kids. It just can't be because people are deceptive. And if there's one thing that's true of child molesters, they have mastered deception. And that's why it's offensive when a pastor stands up in front of a congregation and says, child molesters are welcome to serve in our church. That's why it's offensive, because they're dangerous predators, and they're not people that you should be welcoming with open arms into your church. And there are other ways to minister to people who truly want help and who truly want to change. But a person who's molested children, who truly, truly is repentant and is sorry for what they've done, that person knows that they shouldn't be anywhere near kids, that they shouldn't be serving in your church. And that person is going to willingly say, listen, I need to go to an adult-only Bible study. I need to go somewhere where there aren't any kids. I need to make sure that kids are safe, make sure that victims of sexual abuse feel safe and don't feel threatened by the presence of a child molester. So Chris Rock didn't know that he was pinpointing exactly what it is that bothers the crap out of me about the church. But this is what it is, selective outrage. And I just, to me, it's this tone deafness from pastors and church leaders and, and Christians in general. How tone deaf are you when you've been silent through scandal after scandal after scandal? There's just been crickets. Nothing has been said. I've been beating my head against a wall for eight years now when it comes to advocating for sexual abuse victims in the church and trying to get churches to care about preventing it. 
It feels like beating my head against a wall, trying to get anybody to care. Anybody. And then the nanosecond that a pastor or church leader or Christian can use some political thing that happened as a reason to talk about sexual abuse or grooming or harm done to boys and girls, it's so disgusting to me. It's just disgusting. Like, you can't only care about this when it's an excuse to take shots at the political party you don't like. I would just really like to see more of a genuineness in our church leaders. Just somebody who's genuine, who doesn't have to posture every second, whether it's on social media or it's in the pulpit. Somebody who can just be honest and say, hey, we've got a problem within the church. You know, this stuff is happening. And and I feel like, you know, knowing that my congregation is made up of like 25% plus people who are sexually abused as children, I feel like we need to make this a really a safe place for people to be. That is the gospel. I'm sorry, but I was reading comments on this pastor's Facebook post um, and he's arguing with somebody who disagreed with him over and over and over again. And he's just like arguing and arguing about how that's not the gospel and we have to be faithful to the gospel and we have to speak the truth and we have to say what the truth is. And it's like, but that's it's not being faithful to the gospel if you're only doing it when it's politically motivated. You're you're being a political activist. You are not being a sharer of the gospel. You're not. And I just wish that that was something that we could see change, that we would just as a church say, we've got a problem. And how do we fix it? And how do we help you people who have been abused? You know, that is a mission field right there. People are always talking about what what there's a mission field in your neighborhood. There's a mission field right here in your own backyard. Well, the church has this massive mission field of so many people who have been violated and abused and just used horrendously and horrifically. And the church, by and large, completely ignores them. We pretend it doesn't happen. We don't acknowledge it from the pulpit. We don't acknowledge it in our social media posts. We don't acknowledge it, period. We just don't. It doesn't exist. We pretend the issue of sexual abuse doesn't happen within the church. And then when something outside of the church happens, Suddenly we put on our, I care so much about the sexual safety of children hat. It's selective outrage. It's not godly. It's not Christ-like. It sucks. It does. The church's selective outrage when it comes to childhood sexual abuse sucks. And I would love to see it change. And that's what I've got for you on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for hearing me out and listening to my lament. And if you have any thoughts you'd like to share, we'd love to hear them. You can join us on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page and you can share your thoughts there and let us know what you think or if you have any questions or you just want to weigh in on something that you heard on today's podcast. Also, don't forget that you can become a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. I'll catch you on the next episode. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. 
Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.